Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's virtual forum, Minor League Baseball on Deck. I am the executive director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, Will Driscoll, and I'll be guiding you tonight through what I hope will be an informative and fun uh, talk about the present and future of baseball here in the Commonwealth. This event is part of our Hall Call interview series, a digital content platform where we catch up with our inductees or feature topical issues and figures in Virginia sports. And of course, the topical issue tonight is the return of baseball to Virginia. Uh, all archived episodes of Hall Call can be found on our website or on our Facebook page. Our website is www.vasportshof.com. Um, as with anything we do here at the Hall of Fame, uh, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, we wanna thank our sponsors, uh, the City of Virginia Beach, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau and Economic Development, Optima Health, Priority Automotive, Davcon Inc., ESPN Radio 94.1, White Claw Hard Seltzer, and our friends at the Hampton Road Sports Commission. Without you all, we can't generate the content and create these initiatives. Uh, so thank you to all of our sponsors and anyone who supports the Hall of Fame. Well, 2020 was certainly a year to remember, for better or worse, for a lot of us, for worse. Um, and sports in Virginia, across the country, and really around the world faced unprecedented challenges. Uh, when COVID-19 hit last March, I don't think really anybody knew what the immediate or long-term future uh, was going to hold, but we learned pretty quick that uh, changes were going to need to be made and it was going to be a different landscape moving forward. Many stadiums and arenas um, throughout Virginia have sat empty for the better part of a year, if not longer, and a sport that literally touches every corner of this state uh, may have been hit the hardest. Minor League Baseball makes its home in cities all over Virginia, yet not one pitch was thrown last year. But beginning next week, we will have our first first pitch since 2019. And that's something I think we can all get excited about. So those of you who are attending this forum virtually here in the Zoom room or watching on Facebook Live, you see a lot of faces on the screen right now. Um, joining us tonight are four executives from minor league teams, as well as a professional development league team executive here in Virginia. All of these teams call Virginia home. So as I go around and introduce each one of our guests, I want to hear from them what excites them most about approaching this next season. So I'm gonna go in the order that I see them in the Zoom room. I'm not going in any particular order. So I'm gonna kick it off with Alan Lawrence. Alan is the general manager with the Salem Red Sox, the single A affiliate for, you guessed it, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, this will be Alan's 20th season with the organization, having served all kinds of roles up to being named GM in 2019. So, Alan, give us a sense of where your excitement lies right now. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to look forward to tonight. I, you know, when, when our uh, schedule came out for this year, our uh, beat writer with the local newspaper asked me what the best thing about our schedule was this year. And I told him it was having a schedule. Uh, nothing else will even come close to the fact that we have a schedule for this year. So, uh, you know, it, it, it goes without saying, but I've, I've always taken a schedule for granted and I'll never do that again. I'm excited, excited that we're playing baseball in uh, 2021. I know a lot of people are excited about baseball coming back. Uh, next up is Joe Gregory. Joe is the general manager of the Norfolk Tides, the AAA affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles, uh, based just down the road from where I'm sitting right here in Virginia Beach. Joe's been the GM in Norfolk since 2011. Joe, I heard you speak recently, but kind of give me a, a sense of where your excitement is right now. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I agree with what Alan said, but I think every day something excites me. I mean, today we had new signage going in on the left field scoreboard. It's just seeing the stadium come back to life, you know, putting stickers on the cup holders and things like that. You know, it, it's been weird going into an empty ballpark for the last year and a half. So what excites me is just the stadium coming back to life, seeing bodies in there, seeing it transformed, seeing my groundskeeper do edging and the field getting green again. And it's just nice to actually know we're working towards something as opposed to, you know, this seemed like a holding pattern we were in for the last, you know, 12, 18 months. So it's, it's just great to go to work knowing we're working towards, like Alan said, uh, I know when opening day is going to be and, uh, you know, we're going to be ready for it. I think those not taking for granted those menial tasks that many of us probably did for many, many years. I think that's something that we've all learned these last 13 months. Chris Jones down in the bottom left that my, my left uh, is the president of the Lynchburg Hillcats, a single A affiliate for the Cleveland Indians. Jones is in his fifth season with the organization. Same question right to you, Chris. Uh, a little bit of all. I mean, I just, you know, like, you, like Joe said, just walking around the stadium today and uh, just seeing people and machinery putting up signs and just the energy 
just the energy I've had the last three weeks, knowing that it's so close and, you know, the sleepless nights of waking up at three o'clock in the morning going, oh, I forgot this because it's been so long that I actually enjoyed it. Like, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a feeling that we've, we've, we've lost over the last year and, and a half, you know, it's been 500 something days since our last game. Uh, you know, I got our rooming list for our, our team today and the, the flights coming in on Thursday. That's exciting. Even though I'm probably not going to even get to talk to the guys, but it's still <laughs> nice. It's nice knowing that they're going to be in my stadium. So 500 plus stadium. days, 500 plus days. Not that you've been keeping track, right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, Austin Schur is actually in his first season as general manager of the Danville Otterbots. And they are kind of the newest uh, team here in Virginia. There's always been a presence in Danville, uh, but they are now a charter member of the reimagined Appalachian League. Austin, thanks for joining us. And, and what's kind of getting you going these days? Yeah, absolutely. Is it selfish of me to, to say that being included with this group of absolute legends I'm looking at on the screen is what I'm most excited about? No, but um, in, in a quotable, much more real quotable. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think the, the excitement that's been built behind this OtterBots brand um, is really what gets me going. And for the first time, obviously, in now 27 years, the city of, of Danville and really the, the entire Southside Virginia region um, has a brand that represents them and, and not the, the logo and nickname of a big league affiliate. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, but uh, for, for us, it's, it's a very exciting thing to, to have something that is unique to this region. Um, and as a new resident of Danville in the Southside, uh, having so many fantastic conversations with sponsors and season ticket holders. Um, I've told them all just uh, they can take pictures of me uh, anytime they'd like after opening night because um, I know I'm going to shed a few tears uh, here in the crack of a bat smelling the hot dogs and, um, you know, seeing that that fresh cut grass. So, yeah, I, everything. But but I think the brand is, is what really gets me going. Definitely. There's going to be a lot of emotion coming back as we all head back to next week. Uh, our final uh, panelist tonight is Todd Parnell, or as many people, not just in the Richmond area, know him, but throughout professional baseball, Parney. Uh, he is the vice president and COO of the Richmond Flying Squirrels, the double A affiliate of the San Francisco Giants. Parney's been with the club since 2009, and, you know, it's tough to get you excited. So I'm sure that this is a pretty tough question to answer. Hey, I'm 33 years in this business. I finally figured out how to use zip ties. Like, you can zip tie <laughs> seats. Uh, and so we zip tied 70% of our seats, and then the governor changed it to 50%, so we got with scissors and quack, quack, quack. Uh, I'm excited about everything, man. This business is literally flowing through my veins after all these years. It's uh, what I feel like. Uh, not to be corny, but what I was put on the earth to do was work minor league baseball games. And uh, my therapist will tell you that my stage was taken away last year. And uh, I think all of us on this call, we're, we're in the entertainment, uh, well, not, we're in the memory making business, but you make memories through entertainment, right? And the stage was taken right out from under us, like 20 some days before we were supposed to go on stage incredibly difficult like uh, you know there's a hundred plus years on this zoom right now of minor league baseball experience um i've never been home on july 4th i've never not had opening day i've never you know it, so it was really 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 crazy so we're back baby i mean we're back and that's that's the thing that's been so emotional i mean uh, Austin said he was going to cry tears and I've cried every day for like three weeks, uh, you know, just thinking about what it's going to be like. And Jonesy, we're 603 days since we had a oh. baseball game. 600. He has days. been keeping track. I, st I stopped <laughs> counting at 500. How's that? Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you don't stop counting when we drink 500 beers together. Trust me. <laughs> Appropriate amount of toast. You actually just alluded to it. I was going to say on, on your screen for everybody who's watching, we have decades and decades. And actually, you, I, I wasn't giving you enough credit. We have over a century's worth of experience in professional baseball. So if you're watching via Zoom or on Facebook Live, feel free to shoot a question over. We're going to try to get it to them because we really want to try to answer as many questions as we can in the short bit of time that we have tonight. So again, send your questions over. Uh, the first person that actually chimed in, uh, Austin, Marty Miller, who's an inductee of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame and a Danville native, he said he's, he's checking in and he's really excited to see what you guys are doing in Danville. So thanks for checking in with us tonight, Marty. Well, conversations like this, having talked to you guys prior to this event, obviously, these conversations have kind of become the norm between all of you. Um, you've all been working together constantly to work as a collective to implement best practices and tackle the issues that you're faced with as you head into the upcoming season. How important has that sense of teamwork been uh, in, in kind of getting ready? And, and Chris, I'll go ahead and start with you on that. 
It's been great. I, you know, I was, I was talking to someone the other day that, you know, I didn't really know Joe Gregory before, you know, all this happened. And there's, you know, we're on a big Zoom call with, I think it's like 70 different GMs. And then we've done a Virginia state only GM call that I got to know some of these guys. And then we, you know, and it's just been, it's that I, if there was a positive out of it, it's about the camaraderie and the, the, the teamwork that we've built together as all these GMs and presidents have all gotten together and found ways to work through this crazy time and find ways to bring new events to the stadium that we're going to continue on. You know, it's, it's made us be more creative. And I didn't think that was possible in this with how creative we all are in minor league baseball. So I think that's a positive. And Joe, I think that creativity. Joe, you're creative painting that wall behind you. I don't know who picked that color out, but my God. <laughs> Maybe that's on the next Zoom call, right? Between you guys, <laughs> you guys are picking paint colors. <laughs> um, you know, the, the biggest elephant in the room upcoming for this season is COVID. But I think what I've seen from a lot of the feedback of people who are, who are interested in this event and probably attending tonight is the reorganization that, that took place uh, between minor league baseball and major league baseball over the off season. They went from about 160 plus minor league teams down to 120. And, and Austin, I see you nodding your head, you know, you guys, the Danville Braves were one of the casualties of that. Um, kind of give us a little bit of insight into the rebranding that went into the Danville Otterbots. How did that name come to be? It's a great name, it's a great merchandise line, but, and how has the community rallied around that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll take it a step further back. The, the team that I was with for the past four years uh, was on the initial cut list. Um, and thank goodness uh, for the sake of the fans, the community, the ballpark and the staff, it's still down there. Um, they actually made it through and remained affiliated. But for me, as a kid from Durham, North Carolina, who grew up going to minor league baseball games each and every summer, um, having that hometown feel, having something that the community can really rally behind um, I feel like that is more important than who your affiliation is with or having an affiliation, period. So when we got to Danville, um, we, the first thing we did was talk to community stakeholders, elected officials, business leaders, longtime season ticket holders, just to kind of get a feel for, hey, the Braves have been here for 27 years. Baseball in some capacity has gone back over 105 years in the community of Danville. So what can we do to continue the positive and what, uh, I won't say negatives, but what gaps maybe are we able to fill? Um, so after getting a sense of kind of some themes and ideas from those stakeholders, we actually ran a two week name the team contest um, and received over 600 name submissions from folks. And it was an absolutely incredible response. To be completely frank with you, we were anticipating seeing one name that really stuck out to us that we were just gonna run with. But after getting 600, we actually saw several common themes and lanes that we decided to pull from. So the otters uh, that live in the Dan River were one giant theme. The STEM education that, that is already entrenched within the middle and high school curriculums, uh, also very present the uh, Institute for Advanced Learning and Research, the Sova Innovation Hub, the Danville Science Center. This future of advanced machining and precision manufacturing is where the box came from. Uh, the colors, the blue calls back to the river, the, the orange that you can kind of see in the eyes there is actually almost identical to the home sign that used to be above the Dan River Fabrics building. It used to say home of the Dan River Fabrics. A tornado tore it down, but that H-O-M-E remained and is now actually adorned on the side of a building downtown. So the colors, the names, the mascot that is yet to be introduced is actually a different theme that we saw completely. Um, our, our bar that we're constructing in the left field corner of the ballpark, very excited about uh, for, for you know welcoming fans into a new neighborhood in the ballpark is gonna be named after an additional theme that we saw. The smoking area outside is gonna be a callback to the Danville Leafs, uh, who are here in the 20s, the 40s and the 50s. Um, so we really just tried to take the entire community's feedback, find those themes and then completely build an identity that the community could really get behind. And I think the coolest thing about being in Danville is we're, we're literally on the North Carolina border. So we've got fans coming up from Northern North Carolina. We've got fans coming in from, from the North in Pennsylvania County, from the East from Halifax County, from the West out towards Martinsville. Um, and really having this identity that every single person can rally behind is, is super, super exciting. Um, and quite honestly, if I tried to come up with a name by myself, I would have missed. Um, one of the names that we were floating internally was the Dairy Daddy because there's so much uh, you know, cow pastures and, and beef industry. If we yeah. would have named our team the Danville Dairy Daddies, 
We would not have sold merchandise to 46 states. We would not have a season ticket holder waiting list of 40 plus people at this time, right? Like it, this, this really was community oriented, community driven. And uh, I, I'm really, really proud of how everything turned out. Well, and, and that's really minor league baseball at its, at its core is the creativity and the community that comes with that. Um, I'll kind of shoot this next question over to, to Joe, just because I, I go to Tides games on a regular basis when, when they're playing. And, uh, and this question actually comes from, comes from uh, Jonathan Hall. He's wondering, what's the fan engagement going to look like this year without the ability to do, you know, the burger build, you know, in the middle of, uh, in the middle of innings? How are we going to engage with fans? How are you all going to engage with fans in a different manner to keep them coming back? And I'll start with Joe, but if anybody else wants to chime in after that, please feel free. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different this year. And like uh, Jonesy said, we, these calls have been great and we're able to bounce ideas off each other. Cause our last one, I asked, you know, how are we doing our mascots this year? Cause you got to socially distance and you can't have your mascot running through the stands and, you know, Riptide used to ride his uh, four wheeler around the warning track till he rolled it over, but you know, he's not allowed on the field anymore. So we're definitely going to have to be creative with that and do it in a safe way. So it's, you know, mascot will be on, you know, whether it's Riptide or Triton will be on the, uh, concourse we'll keep tables in between them to do some social distancing we're can't do the build a burger on the field but that doesn't mean we can't do other in between uh, any promotions on the concourse you know film it remotely where fans can still see it but still keep it a little distant we can't shoot t-shirts into the stands because the health department doesn't want you know fans running up and trying to pick stuff off the ground so we'll have to do more lucky rows um but you know like you know, you and Party said there's a lot of experience in this room. And if there's one thing I think we're experienced at is getting creative. So we'll figure it out. I think we've got a good plan for now. And, you know, hopefully as we start progressing here over the next couple of weeks and maybe some of these restrictions get lowered, we can uh, get back to doing stuff on the field or getting more up close and personal. But all that being said, you know, fan safety is number one. So we got to make sure we do all this in a safe way. But, you know, we're going to do everything we can to still stay engaged. And uh, I'm glad I'm on the road for the first two weeks. So I'll be stealing <laughs> ideas from Parney like I usually do. And, uh, you know, it, you know the, I, I'm, I'm, we got a good group of people in here that I'm going to be uh, watching as much as I can just to see what, what we could do right and what we could do better. Billy G comes to Squirrels games. He dresses up in costumes. So I don't know he's there sitting over in the corner, like, like taking notes and stuff. But. You I'm might ready. need to get him a pair of your favorite, your famous pants. That's right. Well, he does have some of my pants, don't you, Joey? We do. Yeah, we. I think I got the sugar skull ones, some stars yeah. and strength ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I raised my hand because I, I wanted to say, uh, in Richmond, we have been filming, filming, filming. So you mentioned, Will, the burger, the burger build. We filmed probably 50 variations of all that stuff, and we're going to utilize our video board. Uh, and, and we built a little stage in the third, on the third base side that's going to kind of be home base for our, uh, I'd like to know, Crockett promotion days. Nobody on this, on this call, uh, on this panel is old enough to remember, but they had like a place where Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat and all those guys used to get interviewed. Uh, we kind of did that in Richmond, so it'll be kind of a, a centerpiece for our entertainment. Uh, it's still going to be entertaining, but I think the word for this year, I think Joe just used it, different man but you know what it can be different all it wants because we're having it baby and that's the most important thing well there's a difference between change and adapting and i think you need to adapt to to what you have in front of you i mean you, you could easily change and, and go in a completely different direction or you can say nope this is these are the cards we've been dealt we, we got to deal with we got to deal with this so let's let's make the most out of it um alan i wanted to jump to you and kind of go back to the reorganization of of the minor leagues um a lot of the clubs that were i guess cut um, that minor league baseball contracted or repurposed were single A clubs, but yet they kept yourself, they kept Lynchburg and, and the Fredericksburg Nationals as well. How important was it for you guys to, to maintain that presence in the pipeline to major league baseball here in Virginia? And not only that, but now you have two teams that you're going to see quite frequently throughout the season. Go ahead, Alan. Talk bad about Major League Baseball. See what your bosses say about that, boss. <laughs> yeah, right. I got to being that we're owned by the Red Sox. I guess I got to be careful here. But uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, it's uh, it's good. I think that you know we're we're in a we're in a good market. Um, we're in a, we were in a good league. Uh, you know, I think it helps that our travel 
within uh, within our old league and now within our new league is uh, is is very easy. Uh, you know, especially as you look at a lot of other leagues across the country, I think that was an important factor uh, from uh, from Major League Baseball. You know, for, with our entire league. I mean, with us, it was maybe a little bit different because we are owned by the Red Sox. But uh, but for other teams in our league, it was uh, uh, it, it had a lot to do with the travel. It had a lot to do with the uh, with the facility. And uh, you know, we were we were fortunate to be on the right side of it. And and uh, now we got a nice big league, 12 teams. Unfortunately, we're, uh, we're not going to see a lot of those teams this year, but for, for COVID reasons, we're, we're primarily playing teams within our division. But I think there's a lot of pros to that, quite honestly. I think we're going to get to, to learn a lot about the, the Lynchburg Hillcats and the Delmarva Shorebirds and the uh, Fredericksburg Nationals in our particular division. Um, you know, our, our, our fans become, uh, you know, they get to know our players. And now, with playing uh, these other three teams so so often, it'll get give our fans a chance to to learn a lot about these three other teams as well. So, I actually see it as a as a big benefit. I you know, I personally like uh, seeing a lot of these other teams and a lot of a lot of different teams come throughout the league. But oftentimes, by the time one of these teams comes into town and and our fans start to understand that, you know, hey, their right fielder is a big prospect. Well, now it's time for that team to leave, and they don't get to see him anymore. Uh, you know, I, I think playing the Hillcats and these other two teams so often, it, you know, it'll give our chance, our fans a chance to learn a lot about them. Joe, you mentioned that exact point um, when you spoke to Norfolk Sports Club a couple weeks ago is the fact that you, we will get the opportunity to see these guys, particularly if it's a pitcher. You know, usually if, if it was a three game series, if you didn't see that pitcher in one, two or three, because he was, you know, five days, he was spaced out five days. And that was the only chance that you got him coming through that season. So. It'll be nice to see that as far as some of the history that's been associated with the minor leagues, you know, the International League, the Eastern League, the Carolina League. What what has happened to that? Is that something that's gone away? Is that on hold? Uh, I figure anybody, any either of you can answer that question, because that's a question that has come from a lot of people is what has happened to the history? Appalachian League still kicking for the record. <laughs> Well, and, and go ahead and kind of fill us in on, on what we can expect from the Appalachian League this year and what kind of players and like what what will we see with this summer collegiate wood bat league? Yes, please talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, put Austin on the clock because he, he can talk all day long. This kid's the future, <laughs> man. He's gonna, he can talk all day long. Well, the NFL draft is this week, so I'll start implementing the clock. You're on the clock. Yeah, <laughs> I just played the little do-do-do-do in my head. So I, got to, so I, I think the, the coolest thing is obviously going from a rookie league to now, you know, part of this, this collegiate wooden bat league, um, you know, platform, rather than having, you know, mostly 17 and 18 year old national free agents or high school draft picks, uh, we're going to have the, the premier freshman and sophomore collegiate players from around the country. So um, will we have some infield errors because we've got a shortstop and second baseman that have never played together and they're going to try to turn some fancy double plays? Absolutely. Are, are we going to have new batteries um, that are, you know, letting silly pass balls or wild pitches get through because they've never played together? Absolutely. But give them a couple weeks. Um, and I really do think that the talent on the field will rival what this league has seen in the past. Um, and I do just want to give a quick shout out to, to Dan Mushan, the president of the Appalachian League and the negotiating committee that he put together um, that was able to keep baseball in this organized Appalachian League. Obviously, over the, the past hundred years, the league has gone through some changes, but these are 10 incredible communities, you know, two here in Virginia, a couple in West Virginia, down into to North Carolina, out into Tennessee, um, really, really rich baseball histories in all 10 of these communities. Um, and even though the, the players will be different, the, the schedule will be different, the travel will be different, um, to be able to keep baseball in these 10 communities underneath the Appalachian League brand um, is something that, that I am I'm proud to be a part of, uh, even though I am no longer... Uh, you know, a part of the minor league baseball family, uh, still still count myself lucky to, to have guys like this uh, in, in my backyard here. You're still in the family, bro. Yeah, yeah by far. You're still in the family. I, for, I'll speak about the Eastern League. The Eastern League was started in 1923. And one of the painful things about this is everybody on this call has seen uh, great friends of theirs lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'll get emotional just thinking about it. Joe McCaffrey. Baseball lost some good general managers. 
And, and Joe McCatherine was Eastern League president, one of my best friends on the planet. And, um, you know, he's he's in his cabin in Lake Weld, Maine right now, probably talking to a bottle of Tito's uh, at 7 o'clock, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you know, that, that's been tough, right, to see things. And Jonesy's right. We had, and Jonesy and I have been friends a long time. We, we've had some very good friends uh, that have left the industry during this transition. So, um, I agree with Al, and I think there's going to be some positives, but it hasn't been without pain. Now, there's a couple of things that I didn't think I was going to like at the beginning. Um, like, every Monday's an off day, and that was just like, wowzers, right? For an old man like me that's been doing it for 32 years, like, every Monday's an off day. But we're already planning events, man, because we, we learned during COVID that we can make, you know, not tons of money, but we can do things in the community to create some revenues and if we know every monday's an off day bang let's do it right and then the second thing was six day series now when i first started with the reading phillies back in 1989 1990 if we played somebody five days in a row there was a fist fight on the fifth day like <laughs> every single time uh, but now i, I told uh, our manager jose augustil the other night and i agree jonesy i think you mentioned it, talking to the coaches and the staff the things that used to be a pain in the rear end for us, like, hey, can you get me a car? Can you help me with my 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 apartment? That stuff is great now, man. <laughs> like, like, I'm loving it, you know? But, uh, but I said to him, I said, y'all are going to go into Altoona on a Tuesday, and some of these guys are going to have a long-term relationship by the time they leave on Sunday. Six days is a long time <laughs> for some of these guys, right? So I think those are two things that our fans and everybody that's viewing this panel will notice that's different. Every Monday's off, and we play six games having lived in Johnstown for, for two years, six days in Altoona is a long time. It's a very, very long time. So, so you got to definitely find things to keep yourself busy. Um, you, you mentioned the community support. And again, I'll kind of open this up to everybody. Minor league baseball doesn't, can't rely on, on TV revenue, shared, you know, shared revenue through big TV deals. You guys rely on people coming to the ballpark, your community engagement and, and getting people involved in what you do. What has the community support looked like and has it rebounded from, from where it was pre-COVID to, to now? I know Norfolk, we had more people inquire about season tickets than in the 10 years I've been there. It's, you know, ever since it was announced we were gonna get playing again, people I've known for 10, 15 years here, like, hey, let me know when I can buy tickets, when can I get tickets, just, you know, constantly. And, um, you know, now that we have the restrictions lifted, you know, before we could, you know, fill the ballpark just with season ticket holders. Now we can sell some extra ones, but uh, I think the community's just, you know, they're salivating for something to do to get out of the house and do something outside that's in a, you know, a safe environment, a fun environment, you know, get back to the, you know, the sounds and smells of a minor league stadium. And uh, I, you know, I, I think the community's been, uh, couldn't be more receptive to the season starting again. I think that what makes minor league baseball different uh, is just the way that we're 12 months a year, right? And, and, and like, we don't go away. Our sidewalks don't roll up. And even during COVID, everybody on this call, I mean, Austin came in like, like he was on fire in the Danville, right? Uh, and, and, and all of us were doing stuff. And we're, we're, I've said this in the media in Richmond a lot. Like, I feel like the Flying Squirrels in Richmond and all of our, our colleagues in their own cities, we're going to be part of the healing process when you come out of COVID. Uh, our ballpark's going to be the place that you see your friends for the first time. Our ballparks are going to be the place where your company gets together for the first time. Our ballparks are going to be the place when you just forget about what happened the last 14 months and have a good time. And the word community is what we're all about. I mean, we're not about selling tickets and selling sponsorships. We're about community first, and the rest of that stuff is a result of that. And because of that, I feel like, and I'm almost done, because of that, I feel like um, in Richmond, it's looked uh, really, the community's looked all over the place, right? It goes from a major corporation adding on to their sponsorship deal to somebody stopping me and Tanya in, in the grocery store and, and saying, and it happens every aisle, uh, you know, we can't wait to get back or start crying about how much they missed it. I mean, it, it runs the gamut for all of us, I think, right? But it's very personal, no matter how small or how big it is. And that's why minor league baseball is what, what it is to all of us. I mean, we're all, everybody on this call are lifers. When, when we get done, we're going to be done, right? And, and I think that that's why we've all got it in our, in our bloodstream. 
Well, you know, you, you, we mentioned community. Community is people. And there are restrictions currently. And that is going to be a challenge that all of you have to face. Currently, it's 30% for outdoor venues. Now, that is going to increase to 50%. We heard you say we heard you say zip ties and having to do that. And I've, like I said, I heard Joe talk about it recently at a Norfolk Sports Club that that 30% doesn't necessarily mean that you can get all those people in there. Um, you know, what, what, are you, what are you looking to do to try to, I guess, get as many people in there as possible, but be, but be safe? And, and Alan, I'll kind of go to you because, you know, you, you guys are the ones who have the ownership group from the majors. So are they flowing these things down to you? I, obviously, you have to follow what the governor is doing, but are you in touch with your owners as well to, to make sure that you can get as many people in there in a safe and comfortable manner? Yeah, you know, it's, yes, to, to some degree we are. Uh, you know, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about just having these phone calls, you know, like, like Chris said, uh, jumping on a phone call with uh, 60 or 70 different GMs, our group of Virginia GMs getting on calls together. The, the interesting thing about all this is nobody's ever had to do it before. Uh, you know, there, there's normally in any other situation, somebody has always done it. And you can make a phone call to another team or 10 other teams and say, hey, I see that you guys did this before. How did you do it? But we don't have anybody to call because we're, we're, we're all experiencing the same thing at the exact same time. And nobody knows what in the hell to do. So we're all trying to figure it out together. So just, you know, like, like Barney said, zip tie and seats. I mean, that, that, you know, I know they did that at the Super Bowl. You know, we're trying to, we're all trying to learn this together. And I don't know that anybody knows, uh, you know, ha has the perfect solution. Uh, but just in talking this out with so many other people, I think we're putting best processes in place. And it, it's it's like a very complicated puzzle trying to trying to get everything in place. And, and you know, somebody asked me the other night, you know, because we've got, 4,000 of our seats zip tie, uh, you know, hey, if I, if I bring somebody, can we, can we clip this zip tie? Well, if you clip one, that starts a domino effect. And now all the others in the entire stadium are thrown off. So, so the answer is no, you can't do that because it, it, it just creates that domino effect. So we're leaning on each other. Uh, you know, we, for us here in Salem, we've got pods of, uh, of as small as one and as large as eight. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's pieced together like a puzzle. And uh, luckily, I've got people a lot smarter than I am in our ticket ops department that have, that have been able to figure it out because, quite frankly, I suck at puzzles. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to have to – I wouldn't want to have to go out there and figure all that out. So they, they did that for us, and, uh, and I think we got a good system in place now. Is there a competitive advantage or disadvantage to having to travel to teams or states that may be able to have more fans? I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is about wins and losses in some capacity. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think our, for all of our teams, we just like to see people on the stands. You know, I, think I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> I, I think our players like to play and w whether they're rooting for them or against them, I think, uh, you know, us being a Red Sox affiliate, I, we have a lot of season ticket holders that tell me, uh, oh, we're Yankees fans. And I tell them, buy a ticket. You can root against us. Uh, you know, your money, your money spends the same whether you root for us or whether you root against us. But uh, obviously it's more fun if they're rooting for us. But I, I think all of our players for, for all of our teams would rather just play in front of people. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that that question kind of popped into my head right now because Bill, uh, who's, who's attending in the Zoom, said – you wanted to say, how jealous are you guys of teams like Pensacola, who just announced 98% capacity a few weeks ago? Why 98? Like, yeah, what about, <laughs> what's the other 2%? Huh? Oh, the buffer, Jonesy. Probably the buffer. Uh, I, forgot, I forgot about the buffer. You know, it, it, it's really interesting, too, Will, that question, because let's, let's not forget, our players haven't played in over yeah. a year. So, like, it's like we're, we're all, as, as administrators and executives, we're all jacked up to get doing what we're doing, right? But the guys, when they get out on the field, even if they're trying to enrichment, it's going to be 2,943 on May the 4th. And we sold out in like 25 hours or something like that, right? And, and, and they're going to have a pep in their step. And, and I think that's pretty neat, too. So don't, don't sleep on that. The players are going to be excited. The coaches are going to be excited. We're going to be excited. The fans are going to be excited. I feel like that 2,900 enrichment is going to sound like 15,000. I really do. Coming off the concrete at the old diamond, I'm sure. I, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> you. You mentioned the players, though. You know, these are some of these players haven't played competitively, at least in, in the United States, in, in the last, you know, 16 to 18 months. 
Uh, what have you all been able to do, if anything, to kind of help with their development? Or is it just they, because of the rules that came down from Major League Baseball, they weren't allowed to participate in any, you know, team activities? Uh, Chris, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with you on that one. I mean, uh, we don't have much interaction with the players at all in their yeah. development. I mean, we're straight business side and, you know, Major League Baseball provides us players. You know, I oversee another team in Colorado that, uh, you know, we had to go out and find players. And, and a lot of these players, some of these players were drafted and then for last year and got cut before they even went to spring training this year. It was just a weird, you know, some of these guys just never – had that high of being drafted and getting signed and never even getting to go to the spring training facility. So it was weird. But have you all received your rosters yet? I, I haven't got any. Confidentially, I have. Ooh, Jonesy, making it happen. Hey, Will, real quick, question, Will, real quick. I promise yeah. I'll be quick on this one. In Richmond, we did, we used a lot of our players on Zooms with like the children's hospital. And, and so the pandemic's taught us a lot, right? I thought Zoom was driving fast before the <laughs> pandemic hit, right? I didn't know what this was. So our players really wanted to stay engaged with our fan base. Uh, some of them won't be back, but we used them a lot. Um, even the Spanish-speaking players talking to Spanish classes in Richmond and high school. So that was one of the things we learned uh, during the pandemic. I was, I was speaking at our booster club meeting yesterday, and they are like, you know, do you think we're going to see any of the same players? I'm like, I hope not, because we've moved down a level. That means they're not moving up. They're moving down. So I hope we don't see some of our old players. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, speaking of players, Austin, you, you may have mentioned it a, a little bit in your answer about kind of what to expect in Danville this year. But is there a player pool that Danville is going to get to choose from? Or are you just going to be assigned these players from the colleges that are in kind of this professional development pipeline? Yeah, so the outfield is going to be uh, from, from left to right. Uh, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout. Um, <laughs> That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> that is impressive. Do they, do they know this? Uh, not yet. We, we're still trying to get in touch. Like our people. Oh, are so did you get your beer delivery already? And you've been at the today because you're talking some serious smack right now. <laughs> so the it's it's interesting actually, and and uh, Chris alluded to it. Um, the the biggest uh, you know kind of difference, obviously, in in where players are coming from and what current high school and college players have to look forward to is a shortened draft and fewer affiliated teams, right? So the, the big selling point that USA Baseball, so they are our baseball operations partner in this reconfigured Appalachian League. The biggest selling point that they have is this is the premier collegiate summer wooden bat league for draft ready and identified prospects by Major League Baseball and USA Baseball. So a lot of our players in years past would have looked to have gotten drafted after their senior year of high school. Um, and now they have had to go into college because of the shortened draft and, and fewer affiliated players. So um, I, I have no control over who our roster will be. Um, I have gotten upwards of 500 emails and Facebook notifications. Uh, it seems like everybody in the country is a 6'4 left-handed pitcher that can touch 98. I, I mean, that's what all the email saying at least. Um, but I've just directed all those folks to USA Baseball. Um, and we, we do know that Desi Relaford, 11-year MLB veteran, is going to be our manager, um, you know, small baseball world and community. He was actually our bench coach when I was with the Tortugas in 2018. Um, and he helped lead that team to the Florida State League Championship Series. So very excited to have him leading the charge and, and teaching the ins and outs of these guys. <laughs> but, um, but no, we, we have no control over the roster. And, and we, uh, like, like most of these guys, are still waiting to find out um, who will be on our, our team. Uh, selfishly, there are some guys that, that go to school in North Carolina and Virginia that I would love to have just to, to you know, kind of have that local tie. Um, so selfishly, we've got guys from LSU, uh, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Ohio State, um, I would love to have some of those guys so that we can get their campuses talking about Danville, Virginia on, a, on an annual basis. So. Excuse me. Um, you know, we, we've made it about 40 minutes. Out well? Are you getting emotional? Just yeah, very emotional. I can't wait for baseball to come back. Well, that's what happens when you get this group. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, but the, the team that I root for, I was telling Alan earlier, the Red Sox are surprisingly in first place right now. So I'm, a, I'm just very emotional about that after what happened last year. 
Um, but we, we've made it about 40 minutes and I haven't really gotten into the fact that we're all, I won't say experts, but we're all medical consultants at this point. I, I feel the last year we've, we've probably sat in on, on way more meetings regarding getting people in somewhere safe and, and healthy. But you know, a lot of the leagues and the colleges and the, and the college conferences that have gotten back to play have done so fairly well for the most part, but we're still seeing issues like what happened in Vancouver with the Canucks, the Mets national series was postponed. You know, what measures are in place and, and where is that, where are they coming from to make sure that if an issue does happen, it's isolated and we don't lose games and potentially a season? I've got 700 pages worth of memos from MLB in my Tahoe out in front of my parents' house right now. That has think, all those. Yeah, I think that was the best thing. I think that was the best thing about the 70 GMs all together. None of us read all 100 pages of it. We each took a page basically and shared notes. But in terms of yeah, right. Well, they've done. I feel like they've done a pretty good job. Uh, I talked to our trainer today. Uh, he's flying in tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be the what are they calling him, guys? The point of contact, right? Is that what they're he's compliance him? officer. Yeah, compliance officer. Yeah. Uh, so we just we have. It's going to be a lot of work, and and the people that are quote unquote covered uh, really can't do a whole lot, right? Is that a good way of putting it, guys? I mean, if you're going to be around the players, if you're going to be around the players, you're not going to be around anybody else, pretty much. It's a bubble. It'll be the first time none of us go down to the locker room and have a beer with the coach. You know, it's just not going to happen this year. Well, that's why you should build a bar in your office like somebody else did. <laughs> well, expand upon that. You know, uh, a lot of these players, I mean, from from all different leagues, and this goes all the way up to the majors, you know, if there's a 7 o'clock game, we've heard stories about guys getting to the park at 10 a.m. and just spending all day there eating three meals. That can't happen this year, correct? Yeah. They, they, five they five hours, right? Yeah, five hours ahead of time. You know, I, I, I was telling somebody uh, today that the clubhouse is, is normally the player's home away from home, and they, and they probably spend more time in the clubhouse just – playing cards, watching TV, watching a movie, uh, relaxing, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, they spend more time in there than anywhere else. And, and now, you know, we, we removed the couches uh, from the clubhouse. They, there's a TV in there really for them to watch as they're, as they're getting dressed. But I think they're pretty much instructed this year that, that they want the, the teams want them in the clubhouse and they want them back out. They don't want them spending time in the clubhouse. And uh, it's that's very different. Like, like Jonesy was saying, everything's very different this year. You know, it's uh, they're, they're getting here no no earlier than five hours prior to game time and they're getting out even after the game. They uh, you know, they, they got to get in and out. Oftentimes they'll take a box uh, dinner instead of sitting at their uh, sitting at their locker eating a buffet style meal. Uh, a lot of them will grab a box and get out of there. I was talking to our manager yesterday and he he said that uh, players that aren't pitching or not hitting playing the field or going home they're not even going to be at the games that was in one of the 100 pages that that, uh, <laughs> that you didn't read Johnsy because I actually knew that but I, I I heard it but I didn't think it was going to happen <laughs> it's actually going to happen Alan what are you doing with your couches <laughs> We we put we put them in our we put them in our suites so that uh, so that we didn't have to rent as many this year as many cost saving measures as we can so we move them from point A to point B and hopefully we don't have to move them back to point A at any point this year well hopefully we do right because that'll mean restrictions are getting better but well I think if you need a point C I think Austin is in the market for it <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, he, can, he can sit on it. it looks like he's in a jail cell there. He can put it <laughs> I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to a question from a, from somebody who's, who's attending Lauren. Uh, Joe, I'll point this at you because she, she lives here in Virginia beach. Since COVID is requiring us to social distance and reduce the occupancy, do you anticipate ticket prices uh, raising to offset the cost because there's less seats available? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, we're, we're not going to, you know, pass any of those expenses on to fans. I even, I talked with our owner uh, yesterday, the day before about all the discounts we do the, senior discount, the military discount, you know, the youth discounts, and we're keeping all those in place. You know, we're not, you know, like Parney said about being part of the community, uh, you know, this isn't our opportunity to kind of, you know, cover our losses. You know, we're out here as part of the community, you know, delivering a product, entertaining, you know, just helping everyone heal. And, you know, I, for us in Norfolk, yeah, we're, 
raising ticket prices was never discussed. If anything, it's how what we could do to make it easier for fans to come out. I think winning that PR battle with everything that everybody's gone through has, has been a, definitely the smart decision on a lot of sports teams' parts. Um, you, you can see how public opinion can sway. With If you follow soccer, you just saw what happened over in Europe and how public opinion just swayed a huge decision. Um, I got a question here from Eric for, for Parney. There's a new Coastal Plains team in Colonial Heights, the Tri-City Chili Peppers. Do you view them as competition or do you embrace their presence? More baseball, the better, in his opinion. Uh, I probably lead the league in liking their tweets every day. I don't think anybody <laughs> likes their tweets as much as I do. So I do that on purpose. I want people to see that I'm that I'm uh, liking the tweets of the Chili Peppers. I, mean, I, I think um, but that's important. I mean, we're the rich and flying squirrels, and, and we have our place. And, and, and I think what they're going to be doing down there is going to be good. Actually, their GM was a camera operator for us just two summers ago, right? So. Uh, he actually owes me a phone call, so I'll put him up. I'll put him out in public. I, I I told him to call me, and I would do do anything for me. I wasn't calling back yet, so if anybody wants to get in touch with him. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, one I, thing I, we I don't, I don't think any like our competition is life, man. You know, like like these guys that are on this call are my friends, and and, and the Chili Peppers are going to be our friends, and and we all just try to do the best we can. I think the things that get in the way of our business are things like COVID. <laughs> you know, like life and so no i don't they're not competition uh they're, they're a part of the family as far as i'm concerned well i think the one thing that's been evident through, through this conversation so far is the fact that there is that camaraderie and that support for each other um even though you know alan and chris you guys your guys team's going to be playing 36 times you know you can drive 90 minutes and run into a baseball stadium here in virginia so i think that whether, whether you live in Hampton Roads or whether you live in Richmond, you know, go out and support minor league baseball because, as we mentioned, minor league baseball is for the fans. You know, that, that, that's really what it's for. Um, I mentioned a couple questions ago how we've all kind of become medical consultants and put a new hat on. What has been, I guess, the most interesting task you've taken on the last 13 months? And I, I want to hear that from everybody. Chris, you started smiling, so I'll go ahead and start with you on that. I'll tell you, my groundskeeper thinks I'm the best dragger of a field ever now. I mean, we just took up all the, you know, we were playing travel ball games here every weekend and, and doing things. And, you know, we had a staff of four people. And so we were out there, you know, dragging fields and watering fields and, you know, doing all the things that, you know, we, we used to brag about, like, oh, I used to do that back in the day. Well, I did it this year, you know, uh, it's, it's been, it was fun. I mean, part of it was fun, but uh, you know, I think just, just having to adapt, like you said before. And by the way, I, I need to say this real quick. Hi, mom. She's she's watching. I just saw. So, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Well, Joe, Joe, you've always prided yourself uh, ever since you took over as GM. Like I said, I've heard you speak. You you love to understand every facet of the organization. What's something new that you've had to do this past year? I, I think the biggest adjustment uh, or newest task was becoming a lobbyist. And I know Parney was, is the biggest lobbyist in the state of Virginia right now, but, you know, just with every COVID act, you know, trying to get minor league baseball included in it, you know, talking to, you know, Senate staffs or, you know, our representative staffs or our mayor. And, you know, we were joking around before about the social distancing at 10 feet, trying to get it to six feet and want to get it, you know, at, you know, somewhere safe, but, you know, obviously want to get it reduced. But, you know, the amount of politicians and staffers and, you know, just people within the industry, it, it was, you know, one bill would come up, we'd lobby for that one, didn't get included. All right, what's the next one? So let's start talking to reps again and, you know, getting emails, getting phone calls. It's just, uh, I think the lobbyist had is something we all had to put on this year that uh, I know I never had to do in my, in my career. Austin, you're up next. Man, uh so, I mean, I feel like I'm in a different a different circumstance than everybody else. I mean, like I, I was an intern in the Appalachian League six summers ago, and I've, I've been very fortunate to, to have been able to take some progressive steps in my career to get to this point. Um, for, for everybody watching, I am have been and, and am still the only Otterbot staff member uh, from, from January 1 through today. Um, well, at least so, you get along with all your staff, Austin. <laughs> That's right. So this this is this is my my lovely office. I've got a lazy boy over there, but um, no, it's it's so you been, do need a couch. I do. I need several. I need several. <laughs> if nothing 
because sleeping in the lazy boy gets old sometimes. But um, <laughs> it's it's been every day is a is a new adventure for me. So um, you know, coming into a ballpark with no sound system, no L screens, no turtle, uh, no walk in, uh, no refrigeration, no kegerators. Um, it's all things that I've been fortunate enough to have my hands in 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 prior positions that I've had. Uh, but being essentially the food and beverage manager, the social media manager, sponsorship sales, ticket sales, uh, COVID, uh, the, the political piece uh, has honestly been my, my favorite part because getting to feel like I'm important talking to city council and, and state representatives is like the coolest thing. It's like, oh, yeah, look at me. I get to make a decision every now and again now. Um, but yeah, so every day has been, has been something new. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just echo everybody else and just saying like everything has been well worth it. Um, if, if it means getting baseball back this summer. So not complaining by any means, uh, you know, more than anything, just excited to, to get to learn uh, quite literally almost hour by hour, not even day by day. Pardon? I've never worked so hard to lose so much money in my entire life. Uh, people that say, oh, you got to get back to work now. I can promise you, right? Right, guys? We all worked just as hard, if not harder, if we would have played 140 games last summer. Uh, secondly, the movie business. I never thought I was going to be in the movie business, but we got into the movie business and the outdoor movie business. And, um, you know, it was it was fun to see people just enjoying coming out and seeing a painted square box in left field, you know, uh, uh, just the smaller things. I think that the pandemic has put us all in a huge timeout. And I think the things that we took for granted or complained about uh, will not be taken for granted and they will not be complained about anymore by any of us in this industry. Right, right guys? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Alan, Alan, what's been your new role this last year? You know, we, we always say we wear a lot of different hats in minor league baseball, and obviously that was uh, never more true than last year. I think, you know, we, we started doing events here at our ballpark on, on April 8th, I believe. Uh, because that would have been our opening day in 2020. And, and we started to, we, we set up to-go meals. We, we donated a lot of meals to, to frontline workers and, and then sold some very inexpensive uh, meals. And, you know, it was our front office staff that was in there on the grill wrapping hot dogs. I, I you know, my, my job during that time was to, was to take the food from the concession stand out to the car. Uh, I was the food runner. Uh, you know, and we did that, like Parney said, I mean, gosh, we, our front office staff probably worked harder last year than we ever have just you know, because we didn't, we didn't want to have to bring in, uh, you, you know, a lot of part-time workers because we did, just didn't have the revenue to support it. Uh, you, you know, I told somebody a, a month ago or so that, you, you know, we, we did a yoga in the outfield here and we made $440 and I was ecstatic that we made that much money with hey, yoga in the outfield. Alan, did you do yoga in the outfield? Did you do it? No, I did not do oh, it. Yeah. We, we might have only made $240. About that. <laughs> But, it, you know, I, we had two funerals out here. We, we, uh, there was a police officer and a firefighter that passed away here in our market uh, last year, and they weren't able to, to have a, a large service at a funeral home. So we made our, our facility available to them. So, I would, you know, I was working with the funeral home. You know, that's something I've never had to do before. Uh, was to become a part-time funeral director but it you know it it was a great like like uh, like somebody said it's you know, we've all done this stuff and we all talk about how we used to do this stuff and now we had to put our money where our mouth was I, I think I got in the I think I got in our mascot costume twice last year uh, it had been a few years since I had uh, been in the costume but uh, it you know I had to do that last year you just kind of had to do whatever it took to to make you know make everything keep flowing in the right direction. I think I think a lot of people will agree with that sentiment across uh, numerous industries. Uh, we, we got a little bit of time left, so I got a, a couple more questions. But, you know, baseball, I've seen it ever since I really joined the Hall of Fame about four years ago. I've always been a sports guy growing up in Norfolk and, and just going to school in Philadelphia, loving Boston, where my parents are from. So I, I've been around sports my whole life. But baseball has always been something that I just see that familial connection because somebody has to teach you baseball, whether it's a brother, a mentor, a parent, a grandfather, you know, an uncle, whomever. Have you guys, did, did we properly rate, underrate, or overrate the role of baseball in our communities having gone a year without it? I'll, I'll, I'll start on this, the new member of, of this community. So, um, 
for for me personally, I think that I've always placed uh, somewhat of a romantic uh, pedestal, you know, kind of related to everything minor league baseball because I grew up at Durham Bulls Athletic Park, like quite literally field trips, birthday parties, mini plans, season tickets. Like that was the atmosphere that I grew up in. And it took me to working as a game day staff member for the Madison Mallards in college to kind of put the full picture together of like, oh my God, this is what I was meant to do for my entire career. Um, but there was an article published in the local paper here in late June of last year after the Appalachian League had kind of officially announced that the 2020 season would not be happening. And the headline was, we didn't know what we had until it was gone. Um, and I'm gonna echo something that, that Joe said earlier. We have a, a season ticket holder waiting list, which I'm, I'm currently working on calling through with this increased capacity um, of almost 40 people, none of whom ever had season tickets to the Danville Braves. And that's not a knock on, on the Danville Braves. That is, that is, is uh, you know, a credit to, to this brand that, again, was entirely community-based, um, but also speaks to how much baseball was missed. Similarly, we have actually more new sponsors this year than returning sponsors. And it's not for a lack of returning sponsors. It's because there are so many local businesses ranging from independent mom and pop shops all the way up to, to big corporations that have outposts here in Danville that want to be involved in what we are doing, not because of what we personally here in the office are doing, but because of what this ballpark and what minor league baseball has meant to this community. And I think it took missing it for a summer for a lot of people that took it for granted to fully understand the impact that we do make, not just on game days, not just during the, the you know, three to six months of the season, but on a daily annual basis. So it's, it's I, think, I think, underestimated. I, I think uh, we had, uh, I don't know if you know Ronnie Roberts or not. Ronnie Roberts was with the Hillcats for 28 years. Uh, he passed away this uh, past summer and before he passed away, he, he had to go into hospice, he had cancer. And they did a, a drive-by uh, goodbye. And he had three hours was the wait to say goodbye to Ronnie Roberts. That just shows you how big baseball is, minor league baseball is to, to a community. I mean, a, a man that was here for 28 years, probably one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. And he needs to get in the Virginia Hall of Fame. And I need to figure out how we can get them on the ballot, but uh, we can talk just, about that. Yeah, just 28 years. I mean, 28 years here and three hours of people lined up to say goodbye to him. So when he went into hospice, so that just shows you how how big it was. Yeah, and, and I think he he's he is indicative of what community is in a town, right? And and uh, I, I knew him for a lot of years and loved him. Great guy. One of the things I've always said, Will, uh, that I've kind of had a little bit of a pet peeve is when minor league executives say, come support our team. I feel like you support your church, you support your, your, your local heart association. With us, we need you to connect to us. We need you to participate with us. We need you to be involved with us, right? And I think because of that type of attitude of connectivity, involvement, participation, you see the kind of things that these guys are talking about, uh, the three-hour waits. And uh, I think our industry means more to our community. No offense to minor league hockey, no offense to minor league baseball, uh, basketball. Baseball teams mean way more, in my opinion, to our communities than any of those do. And I, I, if I'm offending anybody, I'm really sorry. But I've been doing this 33 years. I, I, I mean, I've lived it. And, and, you know, we're 12 months. And so – uh, I think that there's a lot of people that just kind of expected baseball to roll around. And when it didn't, they were like, whoa. Uh, and now that's why I think that our, our whatever our capacities are going to be in our markets, we're going to sell those seats, I feel like. Well, we're, we're bumping up against 730. So I'm going to get everybody uh, out of here on this question. We'll go around the horn again, just like we started. So, Alan, this season is a success if... The Budweiser hot seat, Alan. How's that feeling right now? Good? Yeah, honestly, I think there's a lot of ways to answer that. I, you know, for us, I, I think all of us on this call, uh, we would have answered it differently today than we would have a year ago. I think we're all just, we're all just glad to be playing. 
quite honestly. And I, I don't, that's not, that's probably not going to determine success, but uh, we're, we're just glad to be playing. We're glad to get the community back out here to the ballpark where we, we want to show people a fun time. You know, our, our, uh, our motto here for, for us in Salem is that every night is opening night. And, you know, by that, we mean that we put a lot of time and effort into opening night. Everybody does. But, but for us, we want to, you know, just because you come on the third Wednesday of the season, uh, that might be your very first time that you ever come into a game. So, so for us, we always measure success by every single game, making sure that we put our best foot forward. And, and, and this year is no different. You know, we've had a long time off. Uh, we talked at the beginning for us, it's going to be 614 days between games. And uh, we're going to put a, a little tag on seats that, that says, you know, hey, it's been 614 days since we've seen you. And we're glad to see that you're back at the ballpark. And, and uh, that's something that we're doing on, on, our, on our opening day here on May 11th. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're glad to have people back and just want to make sure that everybody has a good time. And if, that, and if we do that, then I think everything else will fall into place. Joe, what about you? I mean, I – Everything Alan said, I agree with that. I, it's going to be success if we get the games in. I mean, that, you know, it's money isn't the big thing. Winning losses, you know, isn't a big thing. It's, you know, can we get the games in so we get people in the park? You know, it's going to be successful if we can, you know, you know, rehab another little league field like we do every year. You know, if we can get the interaction with the military community that we did. So just getting these games in so we can you know, make a difference, I think is what's going to make it successful. You know, God knows I, I, I don't want to push that tarp, but I would have put, you know, push that tarp a hundred times last year if we could have got the games in. Um, so for me, yeah, we get the games in, that's going to be the success for us. Austin. Um, personally, if I don't get fired, then I, I count it as a win. Um, Are you your own boss? But, if you're the only employee, you're the only person that can hire and fire you. That's, that's true. Uh, you know, but no, I think in, in terms of uh, immeasurable kind of intangible things, um, we, we have so much momentum right now. And I think that just the, the bottom line is doing right by our fans and by our community. Um, so regardless if the team goes 54 and 0 or 0 and 50, before, um, if every single person that walks out of our gates is leaving with a smile and can't wait to come back in, then I'm going to count it as a success, whether we're at 50%, 60, 70, or, or 100. Um, I think tangibly, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for us is we have metrics of total number of community events that we would like to be present at, total number of events that we would like to host at the ballpark. Um, and I think COVID obviously dictates a, a lot of the, the availability of those, um, but in, in the essence of being a true community champion as a new brand, as a new organization in the city, um, if, if we can hit those metrics of bringing people to the ballpark for random family fun days, football camps, concerts, movie nights, and then also be present in the community, uh, again, regardless of what happens on the field, then, then I'm gonna count the season as a win. Chris? Uh, a first pitch. I told our, our, our booster call last night, I said, I'll believe it when the players get off that plane. But, uh, you know, another one, that, you know, I've always said, you know, when I go out in the community and talk to people and they find out I work for the Hillcats or whatever, and they say, oh, I've been to a game. I, you know, I said, oh, did we win or lose? And they're like, I don't know. We had a good time. I said, that's success for us. That's because we can't control what happens on the field, but we can control the environment and the entertainment value of what we produce. Pardon, elder statesman. That just means I'm old, right? <laughs> oh, uh, we're, not, we're not in the baseball business. We're not in the entertainment business. We're in the memory making business. So we're going to get back to making memories. Uh, it's a success. Two things for me. Knock on wood. Uh, the Squirrels front office staff has not had a positive COVID case yet. We've taken it very seriously. We've masked up inside the office. We've done everything humanly possible to try to make sure that we don't uh, spread COVID around to uh, our families and, and to ourselves. I'd like to get through the whole summer with our full-time office staff not getting any positive cases. And then just, um, this is intangible, as also said, just be the healing place. You know, if we can be the healing place for people, um, then it's a success. And, and I think we're all going to be. Everybody on this call is going to be the healing place in their communities and uh, you know, can't can't wait to get it going because uh, I forget who said it, but somebody said baseball is romantic. Uh, Austin, I think that was you. Uh, it is romantic, and we're all going to fall in love again. 
um, you know, in our in our communities, and, and we're going to watch people fall back in love again uh, with with their minor league baseball teams and and the experiences. Because Jonesy's right, I stand at the front gates every night when people enter and when people leave. And if I ask people to score when they leave, I guarantee you, seventy five percent of the people don't know the score right now. But they had a great time, and that's what we're all about on this call. We're we're we're, we're about doing that every single night and every single game is. Well, I know that we here at the Hall of Fame uh, will be rooting right along with everybody else. I know there will be baseball fans all across Virginia doing the same thing. We can't wait for next week when it starts, and we can't wait for a couple of the teams who are going to be out on the road to come home for that first time since 2019. And as Eric Murto said in the, uh, in the uh, chat here, see everybody at the ballparks. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight and, and participating in this and spending some time with me and hopefully getting some people excited about baseball coming back to Virginia. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, so for everybody who's watching and following along, get all of these work, teams guys, get back to work. All of these teams are very active on social media. So please follow them. We'll be putting their handles along with this video on our website, vasportshof.com. So you can follow them, keep up to date with every single one of them. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series, Minor League Baseball on Deck. I want to thank everyone who tuned in via Zoom or through our Facebook Live. This video will be available on the video section on Facebook and our website, vasportshof.com. If you like what you saw and you want to see more, please consider supporting the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and have numerous ways in which you can support, including our new Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Insider membership options. Again, thank you to our sponsors, City of Virginia Beach, uh, Optima Health, Priority Automotive, DAFCON Inc., ESPN Radio, White Claw, and the Hampton Road Sports Commission. As always, I'm Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and whatever you do, participate, don't spectate.